0: You are now listening to Out of the Blank.
1: What's up, dude? Welcome to Out of the Blank Podcast, man. I'm so grateful that you're willing to take some time and be able to talk to me and I guess just enjoy a good old conversation.
0: Well, thank you. I'm grateful that you're able to take me.
1: So, Michael, we met through a mutual friend, someone I've had on my podcast, uh, who does a Disney podcast, Bryce Bank, uh, Bankard, and, you know, I, I, I kind of want to get what, you're, what you kind of do in your life and your kind of thoughts on everything, and, you know, this is just a conversation. You know, you talk to me, I talk to you. Whatever you want to ask me, ask me. Whatever I want to ask you, I, hopefully I can ask you. Yeah, sure.
0: That
1: so, works. What do you do professionally, Michael?
0: Professionally I am an animator. Uh my degree is animation from a broadcast, so that's what I do professionally.
1: Whoa, whoa, whoa. So wait, you you what type of animation do you do? Do you do like CGI computer type stuff or do you do drawings and
0: No, I'm I'm part of the dying breed of 2D animators.
1: 2D animators. Yeah, some some of the best cartoons out there are 2D animation, let me tell you. Yeah. What what made you want to decide to chase down something like this?
0: Um, it's, it's funny. I, um, I watched Aladdin when I was a kid, uh, with my grandpa Kenny and, uh, I wanted to go see Agrabah and he took me to Disney and it, it wasn't Agrabah. And I told him, no, I want to go to Agrabah, Agrabah. And he's like, well, those are cartoons. And I'm like, well, what's that? I didn't think that there, you know, I couldn't tell the distinction, uh, between, you know, cartoons and real people. I thought Aladdin really lived somewhere. And he said, no, people get paid to make that stuff. And I said, people get paid to make that stuff.
1: Wait a minute, wait, hold on. You, you thought Aladdin was, like, that was a real live thing? Like, that was someone actually alive, flying on a magic carpet?
0: Well, I know it sounds silly, but, you know, a lot of kids also believe in Santa,
1: so... <laughs> what do you... Wait, wait, wait. <laughs> what do you mean, believe in Santa? Santa's real, bro. <laughs> Santa's real. Well, I didn't, I, I, I didn't
0: believe that um, that the cartoon was real. Like, it would pop out and actually... You know, like like there was there was cartoon people, but um, what I did believe in is um, is that Aladdin was a real person. You think that that Agrippa actually
1: existed. Oh, uh, there was a you person know? out there that is might have a different name, but is, is is a type of Aladdin, some type of prince out there that does have a magic carpet and does have a genie that grants him wishes. Right, 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 right. I mean, that's not not ridiculous at all. I think people try and find the fantasy in life, whether it's finding out along the road. Like, I lived my whole life thinking Michael Jordan had AIDS, and then someone told me, no, that's Magic Johnson. I'm like, you're telling me for the past 21 years, I've been thinking Michael Jordan has AIDS, and he doesn't have AIDS? They're like, no. I'm like, so my life is a lie? They're like, yeah, well, now you can fix it. I'm like, no, I'm already committed. I'm going deep into it. Now I'm going to keep on going and saying it. (laughs) they're like but why are you doing that i'm like i i I, I, i've lived a lie i I can't i can't come to the realization of things and the best part i think about animation is that it gives you so many aspects and so many things that you can kind of escape from reality in a way which i believe is is the benefit of cartoons the benefit of slipping into video games the benefit of doing these child type things that adults consider um just ridiculous or uh, little toys or and things but as we see now in the world people are becoming more diverse and diving into the gaming culture diving into this this i guess reality that they consider would be stereotypical nerd type lifestyle but it's not becoming a nerd lifestyle anymore it's becoming open to everyone because i feel like everyone's escaping from this world we live in oh that that
0: is so that's so true you know um when I was a kid, you know, watching what I used to watch, you know, you, you'd consider me a geek. And now it's like everybody does them. There's no such thing as a geek anymore. And
1: uh yeah, I always think I'm like,
0: man, if I had just been born 10 years earlier,
1: right? Yeah. Like if I would have lived in this time, it's like the, the good life of pocket protectors and black rimmed glasses. It's funny because that's the stereotypical nerd. If somebody says nerd or geek, you think of the Pocket protector, guy with a bunch of pens in there, you know, flattened down hair. It looks like it's just soaking wet, kind of just down, slick, and, do, and living like this kind of geeky lifestyle. Like, I like to collect different types of bugs. This is the Arctic bug. And it's like, that's not what it is anymore. It's becoming open to everyone. People you would think that would be a jock, someone that would be 100% into sports. Like, hey, bro, I'm not into that kind of nerdy shit, you know? Someone that would think like that is now taking the time to play video games and kind of influence themselves in a way with these types of things, whether it's from Guitar Hero or, you know, watching animations such as old Disney flicks or, you know, just enjoying a good old cartoon show. And I think that's awesome because I feel like we all need that time to unwind and kind of go back to what we can consider being a child or being a kid, just for even for an hour, dude. It's so important to our health. Oh, yeah, definitely. So, it, when it comes to animation and stuff, take me kind of through the step-by-step process. Because I mean, you live in Florida, right? Yes, yes I do. So that's a big—that's a kind of a big animation kind of spot, especially with Disney World being down there and everything like that. Yeah, Orlando.
0: Orlando's pretty hot with with that stuff. Um, all right, well, I'll I'll give you a bit of a uh, brief history uh, about me. Uh, <laughs> I can't go into like immense detail. There's so much, but. Um, I started my career, um, I graduated animation school, and I started my career working for a company called SVM Studios, uh, Southern Video and Music Studios, and uh, that was an adventure. (laughs) Let's just say that that was an adventure, you know, Um, I worked for them for a while, and they did a bunch of commercials for a bunch of um, big name people. Like they did commercials for, I think, Red Bull and Keebler, and, you know, all those uh, all those people. And I worked in their uh, in their storyboarding department. So in, in my professional career, I've only ever been a storyboard artist or an inker.
1: Okay, um, a lot of, a lot of people out there listening don't really understand when it comes to a storyboard what that is so that's if, I, if i'm correct in saying that's the process of kind of a rough draft version before the final edited version right like the ideas right. and thoughts being right. tossed around in the boardroom right
0: right that's when we break down the script into actual timing so so that uh, like let's say the the writer gives us a script and we break it down um into every single scene and then we time it out and in storyboard we know what we can take out what we can you a good estimation of the runtime.
1: That's and and that's very crucial to developing a cartoon because that's also where you can make your adjustments.
0: Yes, 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 yes. It's also the the biggest pain in the butt too because in storyboarding is when uh, especially when you're working with somebody who has a commercial who wants to make a commercial. You're not working with another studio. You're working with a client. Um, and storyboarding is when you take their idea. And the problem when you have a client is that. Uh, you know the, the client has such a such a big idea in their head of how they want their commercial, but they don't have the budget for it, or so
1: they, they have you
0: like like well like commercial like
1: yeah. I will say, or they don't have a way of kind of putting their thoughts onto paper, which they look to someone like a storyboard animator or some type of job in that position.
0: Right, right, right. That, that's that's what I do. So, so say you um, or that's what I did. Uh, say you have uh, an idea. You sell say glow in the dark socks. Okay, you yourself. Robbie, you sell glow in the dark socks, right? Okay. And you have an idea for a commercial, and you say to yourself, "Well, I see myself in a uh, in Eternia with He Man." I'm just giving out, uh, uh, an outlandish
1: idea, right? I'm already, I'm and already, I'm already buying it. First of all, who doesn't yeah, want glow in the dark socks? You
0: know, He Man has to find the 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 socks of Mystic Truth, and those are the socks that we have, and he's going to fight. Skeletor, and is going to cast a spell, but then He-Man's going to wear the socks and beat Skeletor. Something stupid, really, really stupid, right? Um, you know, you, you have this idea in your head, and then you come to me and you talk to me about your idea. Um, first of all, um, I tell you, okay, that we can do that. It, it may go over 30 seconds, and the price for the animation is going to be about $300 per second. So, <laughs> um there's your budget right there um and then if you want like blasts and 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 waves and fight scenes and all that that's going to cost you extra because we're going to bring in cgi artists we're going to bring in uh, all sorts of people and everything and and at the end of the day they're like well how much is it going to cost me and I, I give them the bill i'm like it's going to be twenty nine thousand dollars <laughs> oh yeah, yeah and then they would look at me and be like um what do you have for three thousand and uh, and i said well we have a white background and a little two D character in black and white who comes out and says, "Hey, buy these glow in the dark socks."
1: <laughs> yeah, a lot of people but, don't even a lot of people don't even realize that the average American t like two D TV series like The Simpsons or something that's between 600000 $600, dollars to seven hundred thousand dollars per episode.
0: Yes, yes, it is. Yes, it is. And when you have like a big CGI production uh, that requires, you know uh optimus prime transforming into a soda can and the soda can is your product they don't understand that that cgi in itself is its own monster and i i would storyboard it and i would get it to be the length of time that it needs to be but once you pass it off to cgi artists they they charge their own prices. sometimes to make optimus prime change into a coca-cola and have somebody snap the coke and then drink it that that could easily run into fifty thousand dollars just yeah. for that
1: scene, not, not for
0: the commercial, just for
1: that scene. Not even the average just storyboard animation between six hundred thousand and seven hundred thousand, but not. Don't even you're not even taking into account what it comes to when it comes to the final product, which can be anywhere from typically one to two million dollars per episode.
0: Right, 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 right. That that's, that like I said, that, that it gets pretty expensive. So
1: how about, am I going to sell socks? That, that, how am I gonna sell socks if I don't have one to two million dollars? This is something that needs to be—it needs to be heard. It needs to be told. I need to sell these glow in the dark fucking socks, but I can't sell them because I'm not Bill Gates. Exactly, exactly.
0: So, you know, it's it's complicated. I had one guy uh, one time when I worked at Svm. I had one guy. Um, he was a pest control guy, and he wanted uh, a three D bug, and then he wanted him to smash the 3d bug and then the camera like zoom into him and he's talking to a customer so basically we have like this fake you know uh uh, bug's life world where there's a roach and then his foot smashes the roach and then it cuts to him actually talking to a real customer and he's like so how much is that going to run me and i said to him i said well just for the roach being crushed by your foot and then transitioning to the real world probably about ten thousand dollars for just four seconds, second you just that little clip and he's like get out of here there's no way i'm like yeah <laughs> yeah it's gonna be about four thousand dollars
1: is there so, <laughs> is, is it a big market for new ideas being thrown across the boardroom i guess you could say like is there a lot of people signing up to do new commercials and stuff like that obviously we see new commercials but they all kind of fall around the same products whether it's coca-cola whether it's you know, watching a TV show like The Simpsons or something that, that has kind of already been influenced through society so many times, there's not a whole lot of new, new stuff getting put out there. It's mostly the same stuff getting thrown back. Is that because of cost, yeah. you think?
0: It, it, it is. It is. Like I said, I I, I personally never handled costs. I, I never, ever did. Um, you know, they, they had a whole, you know, accounting department and all that, and people that would tell you how much it costs, but being that I am the first person that gets anything or the first person that talks to a customer, you get a rough idea of how much it's going to cost after doing it for so long. You know what I'm saying? You can, you can guesstimate how much it's going to be, you know? Yeah. Um, and, and the thing is, is like uh, my friends, they knew that I did animation and, you know, they would tell people who had small businesses and then the, the, they would get in contact with me and they would say, you know, I was looking to get like a small little animation for my Facebook, uh, for my Facebook, uh, com- you know, Facebook commercial, and I'd be like, "Oh, that, that's nice." Uh, <laughs> um, I'm not sure I'm the right guy for that. And they're like, "Well, you know, your so and so told me you do animation. I was wondering how much you would charge me to, you know, just have my guy wave a little." And I said, "Okay, well, first of all, we have to get with a character design guy. That's already going to cost you minimum six hundred dollars." He's like, well, my budget was like three hundred. I'm like, yeah, then.
1: <laughs> you might need to go down the road to Bob's bargain deals.
0: Yeah. So um, that was that was funny. Um, um, as far as uh, TV shows and stuff like that, um, I've never actually done TV shows. I've never uh, did any sort of uh, move or anything like that um the closest thing i ever got to do to a tv show was we did me and my team during school we did a small little skit for jake and the Neverland pirates but other than that i've i've basically done commercial work for people you know people who could afford to to, to buy big commercials and stuff like that and um Funny story, actually. I'm sorry if I'm over-talking here. No, go ahead, dude. About like
1: stuff. I said, it's a conversation. I want you to be open and just talk about things. I want to hear the experience, uh-huh. man. You're teaching me a little bit here.
0: Oh, Awesome. <laughs> we, um, SVM Studios was actually going to do a TV show. We were supposed to do a TV show called The Chiblets. And um, our boss, Steve, was just such a bad person at managing money. He was just so so bad at it that that sometimes we didn't get paid. Like he wouldn't make uh, he wouldn't make payroll. And I was young and uh, at the time, and I I just wanted to impress my boss by being a good animator, by being you know the the kind of person you can depend on because I wanted to gain so much experience. So a lot of times I would do work without really getting paid, <laughs> and he would take advantage of that. So um, he put me as the head director uh, in in the storyboard department for the Chiblets. And the Chiblets was supposed to be something that Comedy Central was going to pick up, supposedly, supposedly. You know, I'm not not there with all the big boys making all the deals, but supposedly that's what was going to happen. And the premise for the show, I can say it now because it's been so many years that, you know, it's dead in the water. Supposedly, what was going to happen was that um, the, show, the premise of the show was that you take a dump, and that dump, once you flush it, it goes into this magical, mystical world, and that dump becomes you, and, and that's your triplet. You know what I'm saying? It, it, I there's, do. It's a very weird, very weird concept. Um, I don't know if you've ever seen Osmosis Jones, the
1: movie. Are you kidding me? That movie made me think about any type of supplement or any type of pill i put to fight a common cold i always think of that guy the pill coming out with a gun shooting these bacteria
0: well the chiblet is like that like out of your out of your feces out comes a chiblet you see what i'm saying and they live in the chiblet world
1: that would scare that would scare people from pooping
0: yeah (laughs) well like i said i only knew the premise of the show I, i i I didn't really know much other than we had a, a pilot episode and I was working on the one pilot episode and it was mostly just me working on the pilot episode because, you know, I was <laughs> I was really, really the only person that really wanted to work for experience versus pay, which now, you know, with, with so many years under my belt, I don't do that anymore and I can see what the old animators were talking to me about. But um, it was funny because I was working on it and I thought, this is it, this is going to be, you know, a show that, you know, it's going to be on TV, I have my name out there, and everything, and I was really, really, really getting into it, and the next thing you know, we end up shutting down, (laughs) and after shutting down, I went to go work at, um, at in Trouble Zone, for a little bit, which was another uh, animation studio, right? Okay. And it was around this time that I you know, that I started changing my views and changing the way I, I handle the job that I do, the work that I do and everything. Because it was during this time that I said to myself, you know what? I'm I'm tired of this. Uh, the reason why I went into the Chiblets, even though it was a bad story, is because I wanted to be involved in telling stories. I wanted to tell stories. That that's what I've always wanted to do. And during the Chiblets, the only reason I even took on doing the triplets was because Steve had promised me that I could get like creative rights on the triplets. Kind of like, you know, I'd also be able to make my own episodes and stuff, you know? Okay. So that's why I even took on the triplets without really getting pay up front for it because I was like, okay, this is my chance, you know, it's your shot.
1: Um, you can when, make I it. Do, when I do get creative rights, you know,
0: towards an episode, those episodes are really shine. You know what I'm saying? So that's why I did it. And then when I worked at this other studio, I was back to square one and I said to myself, you know, I'm, I'm done with, with this. I don't want to deal with, with customers. I don't want to deal with the public. I was so, you know, so enamored by the fact that, you know, I was going to finally do a show where I would get creative rights and creative
1: ideas. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, you know, be able to do something. I think you were taken advantage of in the original job you had that you thought you were... Oh, Oh, I definitely was. You were doing what you loved, and somebody saw that as a chance to skip over pay because he felt like you were already getting paid just by being there. And you felt like you might have been kind of used in a way, which you were, and...
0: Oh, I was. I was. Which, totally.
1: Which sucks, because then that gives you a terrible outlook on other companies that you that might actually give you a shot and might pay you reasonably for the work you do.
0: Right. <laughs> well, this leads into a funny story, which is why I, I, I'm telling this whole story, and I'm trying to sum it up as best as I can. But, um, what ended up happening was because <laughs> uh, Bryce told me, uh, he said, when you go to the show, the guy really wants to know about stories and everyone has their own story. I'm like, well, I have my story of how I started. I think he will think this is funny, because uh, I tell everybody, and everybody's like, oh, my God, that's really super funny. Um, what had happened was, after I worked at this other studio, I decided that I wanted to tell stories. I deeply, deeply wanted to tell stories. So I wasn't just going to write a story, though. That wasn't going to be me, you know, I because I, I, I had been in my profession long enough to understand that there was steps and rules to writing a story. So I had contacted one of my old professors who was a writing professor uh, of mine. Uh, I took a two-week workshop while I was in school for a script comprehension, because you kind of had to. And I, I had Professor Nagy, that was his name. And after the two week workshop, you're supposed to write a small uh, ten page script to, just to show that you understand
1: script comprehension, and, and also I actually pulled something out of the class. I mean, you don't want to just you don't want to just get your degree in something or you know take a class and then feel like you didn't accomplish anything or didn't understand what you were learning in that two weeks.
0: Right, <laughs> but I, I felt as if I understood it so much that I, I during those two weeks I actually wrote an entire movie. I wrote an entire 90-page movie instead of a 10-page uh, script like I was supposed to. And I called it Meta Man, M-E-T-D-A-M-A-N, Meta Man. And uh, you may find it on Google. There's a couple of small animations about it, right? Because I was like, oh, okay, I, I'm, now that I understand scripts, I'm going to be able to write Meta Man. Which okay. was just a small little project that I had. And I presented the script to my professor, and he read it. And I was waiting for the call. I was waiting for him to be like, Mike, this is beautiful. I loved it. It was great. This has a lot of heart and passion.
1: Did he shit and all he over never, it? He never.
0: He, what?
1: Did he shit all over it?
0: Oh, my goodness. When I tell you that he, he shat all over it, he shat all over it. Because <laughs> uh, he didn't call, he didn't write me back. So I wrote him, Hey, did you read my script? And, and he emailed me back my grade, and I got a C And I was like, but everyone else wrote ten pages. I wrote ninety. How the hell did I get a C minus? And you know, he later wrote that you know, like you went, you you tried. He called me Icarus. He said you, you flew too close to the sun, bud. You know. What I mean? He's like, I only read ten pages, and I knew this is horseshit. Damn, like, oh dude.
1: God. Yeah, that's not that's not cool of him because you got to look at creativity in whatever form it chooses to expresses itself, whether it's through music. What? whether it's through art, whether it's whatever it is, you know, just because he didn't find it interesting, doesn't mean it's not interesting someone out there. I guarantee you that show you were telling me, was it was called the chiplets, the Chiblets,
0: chiplets, Chiblets,
1: yeah. Okay. Kind of, that sounds like a show. Like you're like, that is the dumbest shit I've ever heard, but I guarantee you a hundred percent that you would watch it. And I guarantee you a hundred percent comedy central would have picked that up. Oh yeah. Yeah. You
0: know, it, it, and, you know, he's, he's, he's a great guy. He, um, He's the one that told me there's no such thing as bad ideas, just bad execution. So you are right because I can tell you a story about four turtles who have a rat sensei and they fight a, uh, uh, you know, a Shredder who
1: has a foot clan. If I ever have kids, I'm naming my four kids after the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Leonardo, (laughs) Michelangelo, Raphael, and freaking Donatello. Are you kidding me? Those names sound badass. How many times do you go into a classroom and everyone has the same name? Steve, Carl, Jeff, Matt, freaking Rob? No, I want something like, hey, when the teacher goes and goes, um, is Beowulf in class? Is there a Beowulf, a Beowulf? Beowulf?" And then everyone's like, who the fuck is this kid? Yeah. Oh, I'll I'll tell you, you know,
0: to, to, to make this long story shorter, um, to make it actually a lot shorter, he was retiring in Florida. He said he was going to retire in Florida, and he gave me his his personal email to contact him if I ever, you know, if I was ever close. You know what I'm saying? And I'm like, okay, thank you, thank you very much. Here's my personal email. We can chat with each other, right? And I still continued to write uh, Meta Man. I tried my best with a bunch of how-to books and everything, right? And I started writing other little stories. And then a couple months go by. Uh, as I'm working for this other animation studio, um, you know, and that's when I decided, Hey, I really, 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 really don't want to do this anymore. And out of the blue, he, he, he hits me up on my email and says, Hey, I retired in, in Fort Myers. Is that anywhere close to you? I said, uh, yeah, that's, that's basically where I live. And he's like, Hey, if you want to go grab a cup of coffee, you know, chat or whatever, uh, he said, I'm down. I'm like, yeah, sure. So I, I go to meet him and I have all my scripts, right? He, and I give him my scripts, I'm there, and I'm like, here, can you please take a look at my scripts, blah, 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 we have a cup of coffee and everything, and he calls me back three days later after we have a cup of coffee, I hand him my scripts and everything, and I said, so what do you think? And he's like, honestly, he's like, yeah, he's like, the format is wrong, everything is bad, you've got no no cores in your characters, you have no structure in your foundation, You have no." and he was really ripping it into it, right, and I was like, oh man, he's like, "But, but." you do have determination. So if you're willing to learn, I'll teach you how to write scripts the proper way. And I'm like, yeah, please. Please do. And for a year and a half, he actually mentored me in his house on how to write scripts. Uh until I wrote the Blood-Drawn Chronicles and then he he read it and he's like, yeah, I got nothing left to teach you. So <laughs> that's how I ended up doing the Blood-Drawn Chronicles.
1: Dang. So the Blood-Drawn po- Chronicles, this is your this is your podcast now. mm mm-hmm. Mhm. Yep, 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 yep. So uh, I, listened, it's, it's, I, I listened to a couple episodes, but kind of give me the rundown of what it really is. Uh, you listen to episodes of The Black Heart of Mr. White, right? Yes, and I I was wondering, I was like, because Bryce told me he had 12 seasons. I was like, damn, this guy's cranking out podcasts. And then I see it, and I'm like, wait a minute. His are only eight minutes long, and they're like five episodes a season. He does it a little bit differently than I do. I, I have conversations that are hours long sometimes, and they go... I'm not even off my first season yet and I won't be until I hit episode 100. And gotcha. and I'm like I I don't I I I'm not saying that's that's just, that's not judging you at all. That's just saying like there's you, you have a different way of running it. So I I was looking at it and listening to a little bit more about them and just even hearing the dude talk or who's the person that does the over narration?
0: Uh, well it depends on um, the Black of Mr. White or on
1: the Drum Chronicles. Um, I Blackheart of Mr. White I think I listen to the most Um, and then I listen to a little bit of the Chuck Palms is the guy that does narration well I'm listening to it and I'm like this is pretty interesting it's literally like an audio book it's like being able to dive into a story now are these all stories you created Mm -hmm. where did you start getting your thoughts about these types of things because you kind of from what I heard about the the blood drawn Chronicles of Mr. White what time period does that take place it
0: takes place in the 20s in the roaring 20s
1: and then Blood-Drawn, so. the first
0: chronicle, takes place in
1: the 1690s. Yeah, okay, so I've heard some of the Blood-Drawn Chronicles, because what I thought of when I heard some of what you were saying in that pot or what, they, what the story was about in that podcast, was I immediately thought, um, you said it's 1620s, I thought about... Medieval type stuff. I thought about the game Skyrim, the game Oblivion, the game like swords, <laughs> sword, shields, Romeo and Juliet style type stuff fighting in the in the blood drawn streets. And I'm listening to it and I'm like, this is interesting because a lot of books nowadays don't they try and grab people's attention with, I, I guess, um, explosions. And it seems like every movie has to have one explosion and even the Lion King. And I'm sitting there listening to it and I'm like, wow, this is like some classic stuff because I've read stories from people that are trying to be novelists and trying to uncover things and... I, just hearing the words and the amount of old style techniques, like uh, so many kids nowadays or just uh, people nowadays don't even know what a mortar and pestle is. If You don't know what a mortar and mortar and pestle is. Let me tell you something. It was highly used in the realm of alchemy and it's used to ground up herbs and these types of powders that we were used back in the day to make potions. And now they're just seen as like stuff to grind down into powders and different supplements you can take to help maybe aid in sleep. But, the fact that I was able to point that out and an elderly person was like, how do you know what a mortar and pestle is? I'm like, cause I'm not, a, I'm not an idiot. I'm I'm not like against old style stuff. I like, I would love to live back in the freaking medieval days learning, you know, it would suck. Obviously there's some things that would suck about it, but you know how sick it would be not to worry about what, um, someone tweeted on Twitter or doing something of this sort. You know how much fun that would be not to have any restraints of technology. Don't get me wrong. I see the benefits of it much like it connecting me to you, but man, that's, should- that's a life I'd like to kind of go back to. I would love to, you know, go back to the Knights of the Templar and all these types of weird disorders and these types of people that walked around in these types of uniforms and types of things. I'm like, yo, that's so interesting. One of the time periods I'd want to dive into the most is around the time Leonardo da Vinci was creating these masterpieces and works of art that he was condemned for and seen as an idiot or an insane person. Like we, we look at him now and he's been given a whole new outlook into history, seen as a giant inventor and creator with these contraptions that were way ahead of his time but at that time period he was scolded for his works he was crafted and seen as an idiot in society and I think that's it's it's amazing to see how far our thoughts and kind of feelings about things and kind of perspectives change throughout time Oh,
0: definitely.
1: and when definitely. Um, I, I'm sitting there listening to that um, I guess that's from the blood drawn chronicles is that what it's called the 1620s one
0: yeah, the, the 1690s one is 1690s. From, uh, the Blood Chronicles. The 1920s one
1: is uh, yeah, the Black I pictured Heart of Mr. It. White, and that's a continuation. There are four chronicles in the Blood Drone Chronicles.
0: There, there, there's four chronicles. Uh, the second one is called The Black Heart of Mr. White. So that's what, that one only has five episodes because we're currently making it. Um, it's supposed to have ten episodes per season, and that's how we do our format. I write ten episodes per season, and... Um, Originally, the the Blood Drone Chronicles, we knew we weren't going to have sound effects and stuff, like this was, the Blood Drone Chronicles is my first attempt at making podcasts. I had just, let's say, I had just graduated writing school. (laughs) I I didn't actually, but, you know, I had just finished with my professor, so I knew how to write now. And I told my professor about this idea that I had, and I said, how do I write this in podcast format? And he said, well, he showed me how, and he said, okay, what do you want to do? is you want to write the entire story. Not a season, because it's too big. You want to write the entire story. So before I even published episode one, season one, episode one, I had all 12 seasons written. That way I could uh, I could uh, look at all my plot holes, I could fix them all out, I could format everything, everything was right where it had to be. Um, that was about... All, all uh, 12 seasons was about eighteen
1: hundred and forty one
0: pages yeah that's 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 how long i wrote
1: that thing and it's crazy Um, how funny that those turn into like you got everything written down on paper let's say you have a book of 500 pages or something that'll take you hours that won't even take you hours that will take you a while to get through but then you look at you look at something as turning that into an audiobook and it's like five minutes long you're like what the fuck like all these months I've spent creating this beautiful work of art in this 500 page novel. And it turns into a five minute episode. Like yeah. that makes you, that, it breaks your heart. But at the same time you realize it's going to, it's, it, there's going to be an audience out there. That's going to look and try and find your writings and find these types of formats that they can actually read and get their own interpretations of things. Because much like video games, books and stories they're all an escape from your own reality which we're all kind of seeking in, in the world
0: right and, and uh one of the things about my podcast that's unique is that um well my audio drama that's unique is that because i have my background in and uh storyboarding i know exactly how to time an episode to to basically the second you know within within a tenth of a second like like I, i'm only like 10 seconds off when i time an episode and um the episodes that are supposed to be like that are six minutes long, are because they're supposed to be six minutes long because it's like an action episode that, you know, I just want to capture the action and boom, you're done with the episode. The episodes that are like eight minutes long in the Drawn Chronicles, that those are where you get the short episodes, is because I have a very very strict message to tell, and those eight those eight minutes, that's the episode, that's the message I wanted to tell goodbye. <laughs> yeah, because people. People can't sit there and listen to an hour audio drama because they, they, they zone in and out without sound effects, without you know a lot of things going by, mm-hmm. without a lot of. And when I first started, I didn't have all the stuff to be able to do that. But then after the twelve seasons and after so much support and everything, we ended up buying our own studio, and we made the second chronicle. And the second chronicle, let me tell you, the first chronicle started off with only six voice actors, and I had to cycle them through. You know what I'm saying? Okay. And we, and we did all 12 seasons with just six actors. And then we grew to have like nine actors in the black heart of Mr. White and, and, and very minimal sound effects, very minimal. You know, we were recording out of a closet in my house, um, but we got a bunch of support and we got a bunch of, uh, uh, you know, donations and stuff like that from, from various, various fans. And we were able to build our own studio. Now the black heart of Mr. White has 34 actors uh, it has two sound engineers. <laughs> it has a whole array of, of, of uh, uh, original music, original uh, uh, you know stuff, and, and each episode runs anywhere from thirty-five to forty-five minutes.
1: Yeah, br- so, you got a variety of options for people to look at.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 and and it the story all centers around alien vampires we can say we can say alien
1: vampires it's, it's a little more than that you know how do you sum up twelve seasons in two minutes you really can't but exactly if
0: i were to do it i'd say alien vampires
1: why alien vampires well it, it, i'm summing up the story uh
0: and, and the quickest way i could do it is alien vampires they're va- they're they're vampires from another world
1: that's, oh shit that's That sounds, I mean, that sounds interesting in itself. I think creativity finds itself in all different forms and whether, you know, you have a certain niche of people that are going to chase after the real writings and all these types of stories that are 500 pages long rather than just listening to a five minute episode. It's just all you're doing is expanding your horizons for different audiences. Yeah,
0: uh, that's very true.
1: I mean you can't expect um, your product to get out there if you don't try and to adapt to other forms of audiences. I mean, I'm not saying adapt your what you want to do, what you want to kind of pursue. If you feel like writing vampire science fiction novels or these types of sci-fi type things, that's what you that's what you want to do. Don't change your way of doing it. Just Adapt it to people that might have trouble reading. I know plenty of people that are very, very smart, but have a terrible time understanding uh, reading from a text that are that seem basically like idiots when they're just trying to read out loud. And those people might have suffered from something like dyslexia, but that gives them, you know, an audio book gives them the form or the the, the ability to understand a book while someone is speaking it to them. Right. I mean, how do you expect a blind person to read a book? You can't yeah, – he's, very he's very not going to want to run, run his hands all over the pages and try and get those little bumps. I mean you know how exhausting that would be for one of them. And so when you have an audio book in a way of expressing yourself or expressing what you want to do out in another form, it, all you're doing is just – you're creating more options for people to, to kind of pick up the little story because anybody – that tosses a book down in front of somebody, it takes a very few limited amount of people that are actually going to open it up and start reading a little bit longer than the introduction and the first two pages. It, it you know, you have to, it, in that first two pages, you have to create an introduction. You have to create something that's going to uh, capture your audience's attention, like a boom, a bang, a, you know, a capitalization of a letter. And, Oh yeah. it's, it's yeah, and, and- Go ahead.
0: No, I was going to say, and, and, you know, um, I, I've gotten a lot of feedback from my audience, too. I, I, I really appreciate all of them, you know, and they, they've, you know, they've been with me through the good times and, and the bad times. <laughs> Believe it or not, there were some bad times. So,
1: What types of bad times?
0: Um, well, there's only really been one bad time because... Uh, you know, every time that a season came out, everyone loved it. Everything was great. And everyone criticizes everything but the writing. So I'm, I'm very proud of that that, that, that nobody ever rips apart the writing. They just kind of rip apart the sound effects or, you know, whatever, you, you
1: know. or the narration. Oh, they
0: didn't like the way this actor did this, but they never not rip the, the writing. So I'm very proud of that. I haven't had
1: any complaints with the writing. But, Dude, from, um, from the Chronicles so, of Mr. White that I heard, that guy, he said theory. I had to keep rewinding it because it sounded so, like, mysterious and also sexual. He was like... Theory, theory. I was like, (laughs) "Yo, I'm talking. I'm right now. I'm listening to freaking what's his name, Neil deGrasse Tyson, serenade me with the ideas of space that I can't comprehend."
0: (laughs) Yeah, we uh, we make sure that the, the 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 hardest part of of doing these shows is finding the right two main characters, and we have to find the guy that sounds like you know, like he could be like James Bond in an audio drama. And yeah. They both had to sound that way, and and we were very fortunate to have the talents of uh, Nelson Ventura who plays Myrick, and uh, Chuck Pons, who plays his son Malcolm in the Next Chronicle. You know, so we were very very fortunate to find them. They're great people to work with. Um, Jerry Lynn uh, is another one. Jerry Lynn Clayton, she is uh, J L Clayton. She is she is so much talent to work with too, Lynn. You know, everyone is, you know, that I'm not mentioning also that I work with is just tremendous talent, you know, and it, it's all, it's a, it's a good privilege to, it's an honor for me to work with them is what I'm trying to say. It, it really, really is, you know, and, you know, we, like I said, we've had our ups and our downs and our biggest down that we had was when we were trying to market the Blood Drum Chronicles, the first Blood Drum Chronicles, um, we reached out to, uh, many YouTubers, uh, and, uh, offered to, um, Pay
1: them in order to do a review. Dude, of the I'll, show. I'll do one of your voice acting stuff for free, man. I'll tell you that much. It sounds interesting as hell. I'd love to be able to kind of toss a character, dude. I, I mean, one of my things I wanted to do when I was a kid was be an actor. I, I, this is just another form of it, dude. I mean, you know how many impressions and these types of things I, I do just all around the house. Why not do it and get it out there? You know what I mean? Right, right, right.
0: Um, what had happened was. Um, we had this one YouTuber, sorry, the maven of the even, even, even tide. Um, she accepted to do our review and we paid her to do the review and we said, Hey, you know, we just want you to be honest. Tell us what you think. You know, um, what do you think of the story and everything? That was for the blood drawn series. The black part of Mr. White wasn't even thought of. And she's like, okay, thank you. And she's like, you know, I'm going to listen to the show and give it my critique and everything. And I'm like, okay, thank you, thank you very much. So then the critique comes out, right? And I'm, I'm all happy because, oh, yay, we're going to get a review. And she tells me the, the critique came out. And I'm like, thank you so much for, you know, an honest review. Thank you so much for, for you know, everything and, and all that. And guess what? The very first thing that I get finding out that this show goes live is I get a little message on my uh, website at the time. Uh, I had uh, live messaging, like, like you can write a comment and then it would show up and I, I could reply. And it was a message. And the message said, you know, as a surviving rape victim, you know, I find people who take, uh, who take, uh, matters of rape and run with it as jokes very uh you know serious and how dare you and all this and all that and i'm like what what the hell is this lady talking about right because i had no idea what she was talking about and i'm like what and she's like she's like you're the kind of reason that people like me are afraid to go out into the into the world and we live inside our homes and our little huddles
1: and you know and all, uh, this and all she that. Oh, she, she didn't such she a didn't she
0: topic didn't. and you and you play with it. Well, it's not serious and I hope you go to hell. And I
1: was like, oh, jeez. She like, didn't interpret hell? it correctly. She just probably listened yeah. to a minute of it and decided her justification on a minute of probably listening well, to it. She no, didn't no, no, dive no, no. into let, the let whole tell
0: you story, world. It's, it's funny. Um, the Maven had taken the, the Blood Drunk Chronicles, listened to five seasons, and decided to talk how it was toxic masculinity and anti-feminism and how it was anti all this and anti all that so she basically did it like a political <laughs> she put political views in something that wasn't there you know and i had so many letters come to me um i had so many of them come to me where they, i was just like oh my goodness i cannot believe these this many people are writing it to me things that that I'm not even understanding why they're doing this. Like people were saying to me, I have like a couple letters that they were saying to me, like, "Oh, you know, sexist pigs like you should die," and that's why you and your emperor Trump and all this and all that. I'm like, "Oh my god!" They were attacking me for voting for Trump, and I never even put publicly who I voted for. They just assumed that I voted for Trump, <laughs> and I was like, "What?" Yeah, people were telling me to go kill myself. That I, I'm ashamed of humanity. And I'm like, "Oh my goodness." So then I listened to the to the review, and the review was all about like just like, just like toxic masculinity and all that. But what she fails to mention is that it takes place in 1690, and everybody talks down to women in 1690. It's just the way it was. That's the way it, social class no was. How I am towards women. You see what I'm saying? Yeah,
1: I'm just, that's how society was back in the day. They didn't yeah, adopt anything and, and, and modern that we have to today. That
0: part, you know, and I realized that everyone who was texting me didn't even listen to the show they just listened to her review and decided to give me uh, uh, they decided to give me you know an opinion piece about how i'm a horrible human being because you know of uh the situations that are right you know because in in the story you know we get uh two women that were raped you know and um she took she she in her review she's like you know and every time myrick sees a woman she just has to get raped and i'm like no that that's not what happens at all that that happened twice you know (laughs) it once was an attempt and once actually happened and and there were repercussions towards it and myrick understood and he felt bad and all this and all that and there was more to take just you know what i mean but she made it look like oh every time Myrick goes to a new village a woman has to get raped and i'm like no No,
1: no 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 that's not the That's not it at all. I think the problem, that's a problem with the world today. We make justifications based on other people's opinions and we don't truly get to experience anything for ourselves. Someone can go and tell me you're the meanest guy in the world, but then if I, I can't just run with that, I have to experience you myself. You know what I mean? I have to be able to make my own interpretations of things. I think if more people took time to make their own interpretations and their own understanding of what people are, who they are, their own experiences in general, whether it's with food, whatever, you know, if you go off someone other's based views, we're not a hundred percent the same in the world. We don't all agree on everything. You know, there's gonna be there's different things about us, whether it's genetics, mind thoughts, any types of things of these sorts. So you can't rely on someone else's opinion to kind of change your perspective on things. You know, I had to come to the conclusion that I guess Michael Jordan doesn't have AIDS. And, you know, <laughs> It's it's that whole thing though. It's you know it's 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 the fact that you have to experience and make your own interpretations on life. Taking someone else's viewpoint, saying, "Hey, I wouldn't eat that food. It sucks," and then living your life by that, thinking that food sucks—that's a terrible way of living. You have to go and experience it that yourself. Whether those people that do cocaine say, "Bro, it gives you an energy rush," and, and then there's the people out there that you know are like, "Hey." It's a detriment. It's going to kill you later in life. I, you don't know until you truly experience it yourself and take your own justifications off things. That's not a ploy or an advertisement for trying cocaine. But at the same time, it's not a reason that it, it's it's nothing against it. It's nothing for it. It's just you have to make your own assumptions and your own opinions about life. We Too many people in the world today decide that, oh, he said this, then I guess that's what it is. It's like, why oh. is his word law? Is it because you look up to him as seeing him as the all-knowing figure that has all the answers? Okay, well, maybe you should look at yourself and decide, maybe I should try it and make my own justification.
0: Oh, yeah, no, definitely. You know, it, like I said, the, the whole thing, I at first I was sad, but then I took it as a joke, like, oh, my, these people are just nuts. You know, it, it did it hurt? Um... For a little bit, it did. <laughs> but I knew what I was writing, and I knew that that wasn't uh, that wasn't me. And I knew that you know you're gonna offend people no matter what. So you know she 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 said I was I was sex worker shaming. I had never even heard of the term sex worker shaming. But you know and I wanted to write back. There's so many times I wanted to write back and defend myself. I'm like, don't even bother, man. It's not even worth it, you know. Because I'm sorry, it's 1690. You know, sex working. What's shameful? <laughs> in 1690, no woman was like, girl, I'm a prostitute. Oh, you're moving up in the world. Yeah, that's, that's <laughs> no, not...
1: That, that's No, that's no
0: not, woman was doing that,
1: you know? Yeah, that's not a creative thing that you had an idea like, oh, all women back then were prostitutes. That's a, 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 kind of like a fact. A lot of women were downgraded in society. They, they, you know, it wasn't until like the 1900s, like the late 1900s, that they actually decided to get all these rights and look at them as people, not just a gender. Oh
0: yeah, no, definitely, you know, and, and it, it got to the point where what it did teach me was what it did teach me because they got me so much that they actually got me like pulled from one site and all this and all that. It was it was such a big mess that I don't want to get into. But what it did teach me in the Black Heart of Mister White is to put a a um, warning <laughs> in front of every episode, so every episode says warning. You know, everything that we say and do is just to dramatize the time period. and has no effect on on our personal, like, it it doesn't coincide with our personal opinions of how we actually think here at the studio. It's just just for fictional reasons, you know what I'm saying? And I can't believe I'm going to do that with grown people, but I guess I do, you
1: know? Um, For every person out there that's going to find enjoyment of something you create, there's someone out there there's always going to be someone out there that has a problem with it you know no matter what oh, you do yeah. and if you associate your work with someone that says something bad about it and gives you a terrible review then you're 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 living you're living the wrong type of life because if if you i guess fused yourself and you know throughout the world everyone in society me you it doesn't matter who we all, all have fault with doing this. And that's caring what other people think about us. Whether you say you do or you don't, you truly do. Because we all have those quick second thoughts like, wow, he has this. He has that. Why don't I have this? Why don't I have that? Do I look all right? Are they judging me? It's We all have these little thoughts that run through our heads, whether we notice it or not. And it's we're all just basically pulling out the ruler, trying to compare the sizes of each other's dicks. We're, we're not truly... Caring about what's, what's affecting us, what's a real thing. Is that person that I run into the store in that five minutes gonna affect my life later down the road? So I need to wear a certain shirt. I need to look a certain way. No. So why am I worried about it? We're, we're society today is too conformed to caring what other people think about us and not being able to express ourselves in a way. I think it's getting better with time, but I also think it's something, it's a major problem that needs to get focused on the most. Not the next iPhone 20. You know, I find it funny that I can look at my great-grandfather who grew up in the 20s, you know, had that depression, had that real experience of not having something. And him hearing, where's my sandwich? You know, to my great-grandma. And she's like, this is the 2000s. Make your own damn sandwich. And he's like, shit. But you see that and you're like, you know, women can do other things now too. And he's just like, oh, yeah. He's like, yeah, I know. I just remember how it used to be. And a lot of people are stuck in that old style thinking. But being completely objectatory like that girl was writing that review at the time that she ended up changing her opinions was because she didn't get the full grasp of... I guess she thought it more of as an attack and got so defensive over something that wasn't supposed to be an attack. It was supposed to be a read, someone that can pick up something and understand what life was like, maybe back in the 1690s. You know, these types of things happened, you know, there were, we, we throughout history, we've done many things, you know, whether you want to get into government conspiracies or not, that are some shady, shady shit. That's not fake. And that's not fake. Like area 51. That's not fake news. That's, real stuff it happens but people are so willing to brush it under the carpet or look at it like that's not real because they're not willing to accept that somebody or something could be so crazy yeah
0: one of the things i found the craziest is that she said i over sexualized women uh he's like the, the all the women are over sexualized you know just pieces of me and i thought to myself like I find that
1: complimenting because I was able to over-sexualize women in a podcast. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> you know? <laughs> so I thought that was funny. I, I really thought that was funny when she said that. I'm like, oh, okay. So I guess I did it with adjectives.
1: <laughs> I mean, throughout history, our justifications on what we even structure ourselves now on is based on a shady foundation. You know, it's all a rocky thing. It's, we, we, we have kind of the wrong standings in a way, just sort of how we look at people and how we look at the world and how we kind of choose to act in the world today. We're more like, oh yeah, we're more oh, yeah, comfortable, no, I mean, we're more comfortable living a, 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 you know, go to work, go to do this, and then not really going out and experiencing the world anymore, which kind of sucks because there's so many interesting about things about it.
0: Right. No, definitely. You know, and- if you ever listen to the Bloodrun Chronicles, one thing that you'll learn, and in, in, in one of the one of the, I guess you could say, lessons in the Bloodrun Chronicles, or even in the Black Heart of Mister White, is that morality is a social construct that's ever changing. What's good today will be bad tomorrow. What's bad tomorrow will be good today. You know, what we consider to be, you know, morally right wasn't morally right two hundred years ago. You
1: know what I'm saying? Yeah. Well, our, our so, opinions it, and thoughts change on things, so nothing's ever really correct. Nothing's at its ever at its final product. You know, throughout your life till the end of your till end of your days when you finally come off this earth, it's we're we're constant works in progress that are never finished. Oh yeah, definitely,
0: definitely. You know, but uh, uh, like I say, I, I tried, You know, because. It is true that when you write, you put a little piece of you in in the characters and everything. And I try to make characters that are so not me (laughs) that um, because I'm I'm a totally different uh, individual than, say, Myrick or Malcolm. And some of the things that I believe are not what my main characters believe. And the reason I did that is because it makes for much better writing when you don't agree with your main character, um, so you can learn to see that point of view Then, when you do agree with your main character, and then basically you're just writing you in a story. And it's, it's really complicated to do because a lot of people tend to put themselves in their main character. You know?
1: Yeah, I, uh, I, I, I agree with you 100%, dude. A lot of people, like with movies and stuff, um, they, they just they choose to, I guess... Uh, it, You know, we all have a favorite character. We all have someone that we don't like in a movie. We all just make justifications and opinions and personalizations on things that we watch and things that we enjoy. And it's important. You know, you have to create a structured character to give your story more bolstered, I guess, influence on other people. Yeah. And you know? is this something you want to end up like pursuing? Do you want to do this for like this is obviously it's your passion to do these types of things, but do you want to do, turn this into a career, like being able to survive off this?
0: Well, it, it's already a career that I'm surviving off of. So yes, yes, I do. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 actually a lot of fun. It, it really is. You know, a lot of people have asked me. They're like, they're like, um, so is this something that you want to? you know, eventually make money out of and I, I tell them, um, I, I am actually making money off of it. So <laughs> it it's a lot of fun, you know, it's 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 great. It, it really, really is and I, I I love it so much. I really, really do. Um, you know, I, I love all my fans and I love, you know, I I love how 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 can I say this without sounding so like I, like I conquered the world <laughs> you know cuz you know vanity is the is the enemy of humanity but um, I I'm humbled I really am humbled um because you know I'm not I, by any means a millionaire or anything like that but I'm able to just create stories I'm able to talk to my fan base I'm able to to have you know do what I love doing you know what I'm saying I'm able to do what I love doing, and I've reached that point, and I think I'm I'm pretty happy where I am uh, as far as my life right now. Now, in 10 years, it could change. Uh, I would like it to be – my next step is to make it to where it's something where I can afford to have a family (laughs) because right now it pays enough to be able to afford me being me, uh, you know – one guy, uh, you know, in, in an apartment is able to afford that. I'd like to be able to afford a family income, I guess you could say. So that's my next step. You know?
1: Yeah. You I mean you have you have a list and you have a plan of things and that's more than a lot of what a lot of what people have. And anybody That wants to take the time and look up your podcast and look up some of your stories and stuff. It's definitely an interesting find, dude. And I appreciate you sitting down with me for this hour and being able to talk and kind of interest me a little bit on what you do. First of all, in the the works of 2D animation, but also your fascination with what you're doing now. And I think it's going to go everywhere upwards, dude. I think it's going to, the sky's the limit, man. You, anywhere you choose to take it, whether you choose to take it down the road or stop right here, I think that anybody that takes the time and willingness to look up your podcast, you know, the, what is it called? The Chronicles of Mr. White? No,
0: no. Uh, the, the first one's called The Blood-Drawn Chronicles. The second one's called The Black Heart of Mr. White. And I recommend that everybody listens to The Black Heart of Mr. White because you don't need to listen to The Blood-Drawn Chronicles. You can and it's fun. It's twelve seasons. <laughs> They're short seasons, but it's still twelve seasons. Um, but we made the Black card of Mister White its own chronicle, even though it is the second chronicle. It's also its its own in chronicle. So you know, and it took us a lot to build that too. It, that was that was a little difficult to see how we could do it to where it ties in, but it could also stand on uh, alone at some. So you know
1: um dude i appreciate you taking the time to be on my podcast man and you know i'd love to have you and bryce on at the same time and be able to talk about a few things i'm pretty sure he says you can go off on some rants on some conspiracies i kind of want to hear a little bit about with him on there to kind of help i guess prove some points on my side too but um like i said i appreciate you taking the time to be on my podcast man and i hope to have you on again soon and i hope you have a wonderful day
0: thank you thank you very much robbie